friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. So my question to you is why not? Identify the what, what are the why nots? And then you go and you move past those barriers and then you can't equip yourself, but you get yourself ready to go, God, if you spoke this, I'm going to go on your creativity financially to make this happen. Hey, friends, you're listening to episode 74. And today we're bringing you part two of our entrepreneurship and pursuing a vision mini series. Throughout the month of October, you'll hear from artists and entrepreneurs who are at different stages of bringing a God-given dream to life. I am so, so excited for you to hear from today's guest, Michelle Brogan. If you haven't met Michelle, she is a pastor, speaker, entrepreneur, wife, mother, and mentor. Michelle is the founder and director of Revolution Ministries. She and her husband, Alec, are ordained pastors and have been traveling the country since 2000. Michelle has invested faithfully for decades, and since the time of its conception, Revolution Ministries has added discipleship programs, leadership training, large-scale productions, Epicenter for the Arts Training Center, and conventions to get the truth and the message of Jesus Christ to this generation. Michelle shares her powerful testimony journeying through mental illness, hearing God calling her to begin Dance Revolution, and then continuing to take steps of faith over the past 22 years. Michelle is a powerhouse, and she brings the passion and the fire to this conversation. She has built over five businesses from the ground up and has so much wisdom to share as an entrepreneur. She reminds us that with no risk, there's no reward, and to activate the vision God has given you to pursue. If you happen to be facing some resistance and obstacles to try to get your vision going, get ready because the truth Michelle brings today is about to break down those barriers. Michelle and her team at Revolution Ministries have impacted so many lives, which is evident by how often Michelle and Dance Revolution have been mentioned by guests on this podcast. It is such an honor to have Michelle join me today. Enjoy my conversation with Michelle Brogan. I am here today with Michelle Brogan, and Michelle, I am so excited and honored to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. It's so fun because I feel like I know you, even though this is our first time meeting, just because there's so many people that we have in common. Right. So I'm thinking back to like Jenna Vance, Randall Flynn, you know, Cheryl Cutliff, and I'm trying to think like other people that have been on the show as well. Um, Stella. Stella Ombley. Some of my favorite people right there. They're incredible. And so many more just that their lives have been so impacted by your work and your life. And so I cannot wait to just get to know you today and kind of hear more of your story. So thanks again for being here. You're welcome. I'm excited. Yeah. So do you want to just give our listeners just a brief like elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, and then we'll kind of dive into more details. Yes. Elevator pitch. That's a good one. I mean, listen, I have been married 25 years to the love of my life, Alec, and I have two amazing kiddos, an 18 and a 20-year-old living out their dreams right now, the things that God has put in their heart. Love that. And I have been doing what I feel called and and set on the earth to do for the last 22 years, which is Dance Revolution, a convention that we have that is traveling the nation and just really our motto was change the face of dance and and in so many ways going outside of the church to do that. And yeah. through that was birthed a ministry of an internship. We've had over 289 kids, I think, come through in the last 16 years that yeah. um, just wanted to be discipled, loved to dance, but didn't have a place or space where they were really learning about who they are, worship, Jesus, travel, all the things they love. Mm -hmm. And we started a ministry as well called Epicenter for the Arts, which is a building and a studio environment with acting and singing. And that's going on its 10th year anniversary this year. And it's just been something that has grown exponentially. And we started a competition and we've we really just had this root system. We started with Dance Revolution, and then the branches started growing from there of all the things that God had rooted with Dance Rev, but then were yes. needed in the world and the space of dance. And 
So who knows what's next, but that's what I'm doing. And my family is, is with me all the time. My kids are Mm -hmm. in the ministry. My husband and I work full time together. And so, so cool. You know, we're just living his dream through us. So that's what I would say is my elevator pitch. Yes, that's perfect. That's awesome. Just to kind of give people a bit of the backdrop of what we're going to be talking about today. And, you know, I've heard a little bit of your story and just your testimony, but do you want to share your dance journey growing up and then how that kind of transitioned into the vision for Dance Revolution? Yeah. I mean, I started dancing at a very young age. I mean, I think I was three years old at a little studio and I always tell the People at my studio, when the parents see their kids get up there crying on the stage and don't do anything, I'm like, that was me. There's right. hope for the future. Don't worry. Exactly. Don't worry. And so I was an only child. So my parents put me in everything and anything just to figure out what's the what's her passion. I did karate and synchronized swimming and sewing and just all the things. Oh, nice. But yeah. the dance thing, I stayed in and it really stuck. And it really, I was actually telling my testimony yesterday to our interns because they have to tell their testimonies in the weeks coming up about oh, cool. how dance really, I wouldn't say save my life. Jesus saved my life. But dance yeah. was the thing that through my journey of childhood and even some things I walked through as I got older was the thing that really was my language of love. It was mm-hmm. my language. I was able to speak the things I didn't know how to speak. And so I started teaching at the age of 15 and actually started going to New York by the age of 16, 17 with Star Search. Only old oh, nice. know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, just started my professional career, loved teaching, loved performing. Um, I hit rock bottom at about eight, between 18 and 19 with a severe mental disorder mm-hmm. and was locked away in my room for over six months and wow. was visiting mental hospitals and just so many crazy things tried to take my life. And in that moment, everything stopped with dance. I mean, I couldn't leave my home. Yeah. So I think the Lord with his grace, because I was saved at a young age, really walked away from the Lord as I was getting into my teen years. But when you're locked in a room, you can't leave. You have no friendships. Everything you've ever known has stopped and paused. And wow. you literally don't know what this life is anymore. The Lord really took me on a journey of what my life was about, what he had called me to do at a young age. And everything began again to become in color. It's like the movie Wizard of Oz. Like I was in that black and white space for so long. And then the door opened. Yeah. Coming out of my house again, which is too long to talk about. It took months and months and months for me to even be able to walk out of my house again. But in that, everything was in technicolor of what he had called me to do. Hmm. And dance was one of those things that was separate. It was like you danced and that was your hobby. And then your relationship with God and church and all that was over here. And he really showed me that is not my purpose. My purpose was it was all synergetic. It was all together. If that's even the word synergetic. Yeah. I like there it. was a synergy uh-huh. that he was doing that he was trying, you know, and no one was dancing in church back then. No one yeah. had a flag in church. No one, you know, I remember back then when he was like, I want you to do this in church. This, this is for my house. And then I'm going to take you outside my house. Mm-hmm. And that journey was so interesting for me because I was dancing what we would call secular, you know, I was on very scandalous times yeah. that I would even dance and my gift wasn't anything I, you know, I wanted to give to the Lord. It was just what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And he took me on a journey with movement, with music, with what's, what's in his house, what, in, what needed to be in his house. And, and then also opened the doors for me to go outside of his house to reach the lost. Oh, yeah. And so if I think if it wasn't for being through the the valley that I went through it, nothing, I don't think would have come to play of me understanding what dance was for him and what dance was meant for me and for this generation. Yeah. And so I don't know if that helps, but that was kind of my journey into it. And then after that, everything changed. I mean, though I was still in the professional world, it was all based on him being seen through mm-hmm. choreography, through classes, through movement, through whatever. And so it was the most incredible, you know, we, we love as dancers to be on stages and platforms and get claps. And then it, when we get on a stage and all we want them to see is him, it changes the game. Yes. It's like everything we were made to do comes to life. And so that was where it started for me was after my mental illness journey, it really just opened up everything to what it was supposed to be. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. part of that, mm-hmm. you know, your story. And just, I think it gives more depth and appreciation of what God has done, you know, in, mm-hmm. in your life and through dance revolution and all of the things that have sprouted off of that. So yes. do you want to just share kind of the very, very beginnings of dance revolution and how that was born? Dance revolution. I mean, it's so funny. I read the book greater and sun stand still. Those are two books that for me were really interesting because I'm a visionary. So visionaries, you know, they see the big picture, 
Yes. And I didn't, I didn't know that wasn't going to happen the next day at first. Cause I was like, right. there it is. There's where we're going. It's here. And yes. Like, sucks you back into the infant stages. So dance rep, listen, it wasn't what, what I wanted to do. I really felt when I gave my life to the Lord fully in my dance, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a, a little, a little studio. And cause I was teaching 26 hours a week at the time. And yeah. I was also working professionally. So I thought, but, you know, during the day performing, I'm like, I'm, this is just, I'm going to just turn that to the Lord. I'm going to do a little studio. I had a logo for it. It was called Truth Dance Studios yes. we in Orlando, Florida. There was a cross on the T, like all the things Cute. I thought it was supposed to be. Uh-huh. And through a series of events of just really engulfing into what worship looked like. And, and just really, I was just on this path of growth. Like he asked me to quit all my jobs and I filled my commitments with those jobs. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a studio that wanted to give me her studio and all the stuff. And I had to come to her and be like, I'm going to fulfill my commitment, but I'm leaving after that. And she's like, for what? And I was like, for God. And she was like, what does that even mean? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. And so he really had asked me to give everything up in a season and wait on him. And so through the waiting, I would just, I had no job. I, and that was really weird for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I sat in his presence all day long until I, you know, I was just like, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. And so my husband and I were at a youth event one night that our church put on and they had this guest speaker there and he was there in the morning. He was very charismatic. I was like, this guy's crazy. And he <laughs> said, I'm going to come back tonight. And there's people in this room that God is about to birth a dream. That's going to change the trajectory for this generation. I want you mm. to come back. I want you to bring a Tupperware that has all the things in it that have held you back or you fear. And tonight mm. God's going to bust the lid off. And I thought that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm not going back. Yeah. That's weird. And so my right. husband, uh, we didn't have kids at the time. And so I had to go into the pool. I'm, go- I'm like, I'm going to the pool. He's like, no, we're going back to church tonight. And I said, and we're going to bring our Tupperware. Like, that's so, you know, weird. Uh-huh. And he's like, we're doing it. So I'm at the pool. Like, I'm not going back. And the Holy Spirit was like, you're going back. I'm going to give you everything you're going to write in that Tupperware because you've been waiting on me and I'm going to do it in a way that you didn't expect. So I came back to the house. My husband already had the little cool whip Tupperware thing sitting out. And I was nice. like, oh my gosh. So I put all my things in there. The Holy Spirit started downloading. This is what it is. This is what you've been fearing, but this is what, what's holding you back. And I'm going to change this. Mm. I'm going to change the trajectory for you first. And so we went to the service. I thought there was going to be five people there. And we walked in the building. There was thousands Oh my goodness, yeah. Tupperware things on the stage. And ah. I was like, this is crazy. So I walked up to the stage and I put mine at the, I like squeezed it in. And I was like, God, if this is you, have him call my name. Cause mm-hmm. I wrote my name at the top. And this whole service was going and this guy was so crazy and charismatic and awesome, but like crazy. And I was like, God, this is crazy. This is awesome. But you're, you're doing something so new. And he goes, I can't get through all these Tupperwares, but I'm going to grab one. And he jumps in the middle of these Tupperwares, sticks his hand down and he pulls out a Tupperware. And he said, Michelle Brogan, tonight's your night that God's changing the path, the path for you. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So he Man, took, yeah. the, and he's throwing these papers in this crazy fashion. Well, as I was sitting there that night, I felt the Lord in it. He was like, this is it. This is what you've been waiting for. And so I had these earrings on that night. That was my first pair of diamond earrings. My husband had ever given me mm-hmm. and the first pair of diamond earrings anyone had ever given me. And the Lord said, put those in the offering. And I was like, can you do that? Can you even yeah. take jewelry and put it in an offering? And it's for this youth thing and this, this building, what, you know, it's just all these crazy, you know how Jesus does it. He, yeah. he doesn't do anything conventional. So I remember taking off my earrings, looking at my husband, I'm weeping. I'm like, Jesus told me to give the earrings up. And he's like, okay. And so I put them in the offering and he said, don't put earrings on again until I give them to you. Another crazy directive. Yeah. I was like, are they coming? Are they coming from the heavens? How right. is this, is this like manna? <laughs> yeah, like manna. And I love jewelry and fashion. So I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting. But that night when I got home at, I think it was about 438, I woke up in the middle of the night. I still have the book I wrote in and the Lord woke me up and he said, get your notebook. I'm about to download this to you. And so in that moment, he gave me the vision for Dance Revolution. This was over 23 years ago. In a notebook I still have with the names, how it was going to roll out, the people he wanted me to hire. He gave me characteristics of the people wow. he wanted to bring. That's incredible. And all the stuff, I was like, I don't know anybody. I don't I don't know anybody that's serving God, that's been in the professional arena. Like all these things, I'm just looking at this notebook. But it was the next day that I mm-hmm. got up and told my husband, the Lord gave me a vision and we're going to. He wants us to travel and book out hotels and all the things I was not qualified to do. 
And my husband said, absolutely, if you put it on your heart to do it. So I started calling hotels the next day. And this crazy fashion of this vision, I saw thousands of kids and I'm calling and booking these hotels for like 10,000 people. Incredible. Yes. That's when I met (laughs) Randy and Cheryl. Like I just, I went and Googled, this is back when we didn't have iPhones and I Googled Christian dance. That's all I knew to do. I'm just going to Google this thing. And I don't even know if it was Google. I just remember Mm -hmm. searching. And the name Randall Flynn came up. Yes. He was the first person I called to say, I have, I don't I know you don't know me. I don't know you, but I have this vision and I need to find people that love Jesus. And that became a series of events, but through it all, what I love, if anybody's listening that God's given a vision to is there was this big, huge idea. I could see the ballrooms. I could see all these people being massively saved for the glory of God. But it did, you know, the manifestation of that did not happen mm-hmm. right away. The first tours we did, we set them in motion. It was 2001. So our first tour stop was October, which 9-11 was the month before. Wow. Yeah. So we had to cancel that. And so all this work, all this vision, all this money, everything we put into this event, first one's canceled. Mm-hmm. Second one, none of the staff wanted to fly. They were like, we don't, you know, and so all this dream that, had all this incredible testimony around it. The first year was like, nobody showed up. Yeah, It wasn't until Dallas that we had maybe 120 kids there. And, and it was like that for a couple of years of like plowing and being, being like, I see this thing, mm-hmm. but how's it coming to fruition? And, you know, it wasn't until like eight years in, until I really started seeing some like big fruit come out yeah. of it. And 22 years later, we're seeing crazy, amazing. I'm seeing the visions, but now he's taking us to the next. But it was those small steps of cancellations and not having the people, not having the finances, but pushing through that, knowing if it was his dream that he was going to make it happen. And he was just looking for someone to do it. Yes. And a yes. Willing, that willing heart, willing heart to Mm -hmm. say yes and to step forward, take the next step. That's so incredible. And I think super encouraging to everyone that's listening and to my heart as well. And just knowing, you know, being faithful in those small things doing the next right thing, so to speak. And like, you know, letting God take care of the outcome and the future. Yeah. yeah, man. I think something that really resonates with me about what you have helped build with the Lord is I grew up ballet dance team world in high school as well. And then I've been a dance team director the past five years in public high school in Texas. So, you know, you live in Texas, right? As well. Yeah, I do. I do understand kind of the dance team culture and world and just the competition worlds, even like you've talked about with conventions and, you know, there's some things where like, wow, is this really what we're promoting? You know, are we really applauding some of these things? I'm like, you know, it kind of make my heart sick sometimes to be at competitions and like trying to reconcile that, I guess. And so I would love for you to just share your heart about, you know, what is it that sets Dance Revolution and even it's Earthshakers, right? That's the competition. Mm -hmm. So Earthshakers apart from the norm that we see right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think conventions was something I grew up in and, you know, you go to these and it was so fun. It's like, it's like a youth, youth event, but not for Jesus. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. you go and your team goes and you have these incredible people on the stage that we looked at that were in movies and whatever, and they were popular on a tour and you're learning these classes. And I used to leave crying because I felt something, but I didn't know what it was, but I, it, but it was almost sad. It didn't give me life. Mm, and yeah. um, the things we were learning was what's the coolest, newest thing. And, and it was all about the people. It was about the people on the stage. It was, there was times to sign their autographs and we would wait in lines for their autographs. And you know, mm-hmm. I, when the Lord really started showing me, this is me, I'm going to use you. And you're going to be like, whenever he does something, we dedicate our lives to him. He is an amazing father. It's like when I have my kids, like I want them to be blessed. I want them to have a prosperous life. I want them to live out their dream. But with God, you know, he does that for us. Like when we're focused on him, he always somehow in turn turns it back to us, right? Because yeah, we are his kids. So but that's not the purpose though. Like that's not why we do things is to be seen. And so we do it that's why I was like watching these conventions. And I was like, there's no one doing this. And it's not about the music. I think a lot of people get, well, oh, they use Christian music or they have a verse on their, on mm-hmm. their bags or their shirts. I was like, I don't want to be that. I want to be that. It isn't about the music or the 
graphic design or this that promotes the cross. You remember I said the cross and the truth was what I thought I needed to have was splashing. Right. Up. This is who we are. Here's the cross. Uh-huh. When Jesus started painting a picture of dance, he's like, it's not going to be what you have like a sticker on your car. It's going to be the fruit of what comes out of it because it is a true heart of worship and it is a true place where all the lights are on me. Mm, but it's so also good. fitting what's not fitting the culture. We created our own, cult, you know, it's a heavenly culture, yes. but you know, you got to capture people, you know, right now too, where are they at? Yeah. So the convention world for the dancers, I knew they weren't going to come to church. They're not going exactly. to church for dance. We say yeah. we're going to be a light, but we're more about passion than we are excellence. And I think mm-hmm. you have to marry the, you know, Jesus wants our passion, but the world wants what they're seeing. If you're going to speak to them, you have to have excellence in that. So you true. have to have, you know, something to give them. So for me, I knew what was different was we were going out to seek and save the lost. And we knew secular studios or even Christian studios that didn't have a safe place needed to come somewhere where the focus was him and a life transformational experience, getting to do what they loved. Mm-hmm. So what set us apart, I don't think was just the, mu- you know, that we use Christian music because we don't use all Christian music sometimes because there are some things that we have to paint a picture of. Like we're doing pieces now on identity and the dry bones and mental illness where I can't find a Christian song that's going to portray what needs to be heard yes. or instrumentally what needs to be heard, but we've redeemed it with a message. And so for us, what set us apart was that we had teachers that knew and loved Jesus, but they've had a past or they're even in still the professional world. They were in Broadway and they knew how to speak to the kids that this is what the mission was and this is what it's about. And this is what you do when you're going to go to the dark places. And that when they left a class, they knew him more. It wasn't just about the song. It was about the word that was being spoken. It was about the choreography that was coming to life that had something tangible for them to remember. Mm -hmm. We set ourselves apart by also we have our internship dancing and they are the sermons on Saturday morning and painting pieces that are very serious and very prevalent. I've got a girl right now at my studio that's going through cancer. And she just said, I need a video of the chess piece you did last year, because Mm -hmm. that is something that's so ingrained in my mind that when I'm sitting here getting chemo, I want to see that picture because that's what I remember is that I win. The enemy yeah. thought he had me, but at the end, I have checkmate. Yes. So we're trying to paint pictures because we have a visual generation. We do church at our convention, which no one does that. <laughs> but yeah. we, we paint a picture with a production and it's not in biblical costumes. It's something that's speaking something that is relevant for now. Not that biblical. We're, we can't go back in biblical times and wear that. But it is something that we're taking those stories because they're still alive today. Amen. And painting yes. it where these kids can relate to that. Earthshakers is something, you know, it's a, it's a process. We've only been doing it six years, but also I was seeing all these Christian studios come to DR and I'm like, they don't, you know, it's not about competing with other people. Sometimes it's about competing with ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. God didn't give us, and not a spirit of competition, but there is a drive in us for more because he right. put that in us because he wants us to see the kingdom built. He wants us to run a race. You can't walk a race. You have to run a race. Yes. And in that we were seeing studios that were too afraid to go to competitions because they didn't want to bring their families into what they were saying, but they needed to be challenged in their technique. They needed to see that the kids want need to be challenged into their age appropriate level of things. And so we were like, we've got to create a safe place where we have lyric checks and we have costuming rules and we have some things that are, it's honestly really hard when you have to do lyric checks for 600 pieces at one event or 400 pieces, you know, whatever maybe we have, but we've decided that's what we're going to do. And so because we allow people to bring music that isn't Christian, but we get, we're not going to allow you to have sexual lyrics and cussing and all the things on the stage right. that you have to, we have to be safe place mm-hmm. and we're giving awards and, and doing things. I think you just have to be there too. I've been to competitions where, I mean, it's just like first, second, third, we want to pour life into those kids. And also in those moments when they're not winning first, teach them what that looks like. When Jesus mm-hmm. said the last will be first and the first will be last, Ooh, yes. giving them life's lessons in a competition and also, if you didn't hit the mark, you go back to yourself with the Lord and you hit the mark with him and not be like, we're going to beat that studio or beat that girl or beat that boy. Yeah. I love that so much, man. Yeah. Yeah. So Speak. it's just being the church instead of painting logos and pictures and saying we're the church. Mm-hmm. We really have to just be the church and we have to give them an experience that's not emotional, but it's truthful. Yes. It's lasting. And I've never seen anything like it. I've never been a part of anything. And just because I run it, sometimes I'm like, I don't (laughs) know if I've ever experienced Jesus like I do during Dance Rev. Wow. It's something that's very special and very unique. And I really just think it's because we give them the whole space. We Mm -hmm. get out of the way and we give them the space. So good. So good. Yeah. And I kind of realized as I was getting, you know, people scheduled for interviews that 
everyone that we're going to have in October are all entrepreneurs and, you know, have had a vision, a dream that they have pursued. And so I'm really excited just to hear about kind of that journey as an entrepreneur as well. You know, maybe what have been some of the challenges along the way for you? Oof. It's so funny that even the word entrepreneur, you know, I was somebody that in high school had, and my mom's always like, stop telling people that. And I'm like, I think it's inspiring. I had a 1.4 grade, you know, grade point average. I was a party girl. I yeah. didn't, I don't remember anything about school. I had no ambition to be a business owner. I mm-hmm. knew there was something in me that wanted to be different. You know, that thing that you can't quite figure out because I was not giving my life to the Lord, but I wanted to be different. I wanted to feel that uniqueness that mm-hmm. was like, I don't want to swim where everybody's swimming. When I gave that to the Lord, that's when you you get that visionary part of you, that apostolic, that mm-hmm. he started giving me things. I'm like, I'm not qualified for that. Like, you know, leadership, I, I need to lead myself first, you know, and, and he showed me, you led yourself with me out of your room, mm-hmm. out of, you know, out of that dry and dark place. And after that was just so much about growth and learning for me, mm-hmm. but entrepreneurship is such an interesting term. I, if I have too much time on my hands, start five new businesses. It's yeah. just, it's just always what can we do? What can we do? But what I had to do was pull back because I would start 10 businesses today because you have these ideas and these dreams. But I see a lot of people have that, but they don't activate themselves to it. Mm. There's all these ideas, but an entrepreneur has to be an activator. And that's one thing I've learned to do. And and I've had to learn over the years to his timing even more because I'll be activated. It's green light go, right? Mm -hmm. But his timing, his wisdom, um, because my husband is very contemplator. He's a slow mover. You know, which has helped us, but I'm like, time is now. Oh, yeah. He's coming back soon. (laughs) It sounds like God paired y'all really well. (laughs) Really well. But my, you know, I'm a no risk, no reward person. So if you're an entrepreneur, risk is going to come with reward. It might not look like the rewards you want, but everything I've done is risky. Mm. You can't worry about finances in the way of if you're going to want to make money from me, this is my opinion. I never started anything to make money. Yeah. I started things to change lives. And with even with my boutique, it's like, well, it's closed. But I want women to feel confident and special, especially someone like me that has, you know, doesn't look like everybody else or my body doesn't feel like, like I wanted to be able to go. There's a boldness and a courageousness not to look at me, but to decorate what's on the inside, on the outside. It's Ooh, always yeah. been about life change. Yes. I love that you do that, by the way. I was like, I just recently Thank found you. that out. I was like, what? That's so cool. So <laughs> I just, I love decorating. I love decorating homes, yeah. but it was always about making, what am I doing for people first? Mm-hmm. Now God will bring finances to you, but you've got to be a filter of finances. When he brings that, it's always being filtered out, whether it's filtering back into another business or filtering into people's lives. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to be an investor as an entrepreneur. I think people think entrepreneurship, again, is financial freedom and finance this. I have freedom, but I'm going to tell you that I don't, I I don't know if it's full freedom sometimes when you're going on vacation and you're the only one that can make some of those decisions. You're never fully free. So that's a price that as an entrepreneur, you have freedom, but you also have to think, Mm -hmm. you know, God's given you the ability and you to take charge of that. So you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with people not liking you because entrepreneurs means you have to roll forward with what God's given mm-hmm. you and not listen to the naysay, or you should change this, or you should change that. You have to go with, this is what God said in my heart. And not everybody's going to love that. Yeah. And you got to go to sleep at night knowing not everybody loves that or not everybody likes, you know, those decisions as an entrepreneur. Um, but you can't go in looking to make money. You go in for a, a, a no risk, no reward mentality. And God's rewarded me even in the failure. He's rewarded me because he's taught me something about myself yes, and about others in the process. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm starting a new venture here and I'm launching it in October that I, ha- you know, it's not out there yet. And even in that, there's always going to be, I think people think there's so much confidence mm-hmm. to do something new. For me, it's not confidence. Confidence is shady to me. It comes and yeah. goes. For me, it's got to be a God. It's like Godfidence. Godfidence mm-hmm. is when I'm confident he's told me to do it because in myself, even with this new venture, I'm like, I don't have what it takes or have I got, you know, just all the things that swirl in our fleshy mind, mm-hmm. but a Godfidence in me makes me go, you got to quiet those voices, Michelle. And if it's a loss in the end, it's it's a loss gained with him on the great adventure. Yes. So if that helps, that's where I would say for sure my best advice. That's incredible. Yeah. And I feel like someone probably just pulled over to write that down because like Godfidence. <laughs> yes, I love it. Oh, and I think that's so, so key 
to being able to move forward because I think we can get so paralyzed in fear or, you know, in what are people going to think, um, you know, people pleasing all of those things. But when we can just like, know, okay, God has put me in this moment for this reason. He's given me the vision and he is going to bring it to pass, you know, and like, we don't have to be the ones to make it happen. We're just, like you said, being obedient and saying yes. So, so, so good. Do you have any favorite stories from the past over like over two decades now, right? I have too many. <laughs> too <stories>. many. <laughs> I can't even think of one. I mean, I think my, you know, my favorite stories are always involving his presence when it shows up mm-hmm. in the most crazy, amazing ways. He's healed me at Dance Rev mentally, physically, even of residue from my past. He, I've watched people be healed right in front of my eyes at a dance convention. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I don't think people realize that he's not about like doing just a conference to heal or a healing surface to heal. As long as we're, you know, when Jesus was doing his ministry, he was just going about it. He'd get in a boat, he'd get off a boat, he'd go to a town, he'd go and sit with people. It was just his journey that drew people to him and then miracles happened. Right. He didn't have to like stop and go, we're going to do this conference. Now people would be like, well, it's funny you're saying that, Michelle, because you do conferences. (laughs) But the thing about that is I don't go in with, we're only going to have this happen here. We just do and give him the space and make it's about him. And so in the process, I've seen little girls eyes when they have glasses with their eyes are crossed and they come for prayer and they take their glasses off and their eyes shift back. I've had my hand on a girl's cyst where it literally dissolved in my hand. We've had women. It's not even just for the dancers. It's for the moms. I mean, I had a mom come that couldn't have babies and she had about eight miscarriages comes at a dance convention for prayer because Jesus is there. So he's going to do whatever needs to be done. Yeah, He isn't just do great choreography or, you know, he's like, I'm here. So Mm -hmm. what is needed? So those are my favorite stories. I have, I mean, I have so much fun. Even this weekend, we just had our staff retreat we do every year and I just have so much fun. I was an only child and um, I didn't have any brothers or sisters. So God's given me a family and I'm older than most of them, Uh but it's my fam and we just have a blast being with Jesus. And we have laughs and we cut up and we worship and we fellowship together, but my favorite stories are healing stories Mm -hmm. that I see tangibly happen at a dance convention or in our internship, you know, we'll just at the studio, you know, these kids are there and I've seen kids totally radically be delivered of lifestyles and Mm -hmm. just in a time of worship at a dance internship. So those are going to always be my favorite stories. Wow. So, so cool. And not limiting God, you know, he's, he's the one who knows. Yeah. What needs, what needs to happen in any given moment. So that's so cool and such a good encouragement for everybody. So for those people who, I know you gave really amazing advice already. Is there any other advice that you would give for someone who is like right at that, you know, like have a vision in my heart. I'm not sure what the first step should be. Where do I go from here? Any wisdom or advice you want to share with us? For me, it's why not? I always am asking people, why haven't you moved forward? So identifying Mm -hmm. the whys of why you haven't stepped forward. If money is the issue, then is it God? Because for me, we had Mm -hmm. not, like he asked me to do the biggest thing I've ever done when I had no job. (laughs) Like he had me quit everything, any income. My husband ended up having to leave his job too, because the Lord told him to Mm -hmm. lay it. I mean, he was a PGA professional and the golfer and like finances. And then he's like, you know, most people have this story of like having money and then or having nothing. And then God gives the money. I'm like, no, we had something. And then the Lord was like, let go of that and trust me. Uh And so when he's called you to it, and that's where it's always key of like, what is God speaking? What is he saying? Not a lot of times going back to what has he been speaking to even as a child? So when he speaks at the Mm -hmm. money thing, because I hear a lot of people make money as an excuse. He is the creator. So he's given us such creativity. So there's creativity on how to do things. I mean, my productions now cost us we were selling homes to make them happen. Yeah. Back in the day, I, do, I did a production. People were still getting saved and it cost me like 60 something dollars to, to get a costume together. And yeah. we, we had everything donated, but I had to be creative. So money, what is the things holding you back and why not? So money, is it that you don't feel like a good leader? Well, God is the leader. He will lead you into mm-hmm. it. But what are you doing to equip yourself? Because nothing I'm doing, I was qualified to do. But once I started stepping into it, mm-hmm. then it was my responsibility to get the things needed. Ooh, that's Not good. to qualify myself. Yeah, I can't qualify myself. But if he's saying, I'm going to have you lead people. I'm going to have you do that. So I had to start going, okay, John Maxwell, how many books can I read in a day? Or, right. you know, uh-huh. but it's, all these people don't want to do yes. that part. They just want to go, well, I don't have this yet. 
So my question to you is why not identify the, what, what Mm -hmm. are the why nots? And then you go and you move past those barriers and then you can't equip yourself, but you get yourself ready to go. God, if you spoke this, I'm going to go on your creativity financially to make this happen. Yes. If it's that leadership thing, if it's, I don't have the time thing, well, then you need to strategize your time. I mean, people look at everything. A lot of people are like, how do you do everything you do? And I always laugh because I'm like, I just had to strategize what's important with time and not give the thing of the lowest on the totem pole, the time that was needed for the highest priority. Mm, And so I think people have to just identify the why nots and then they have to be activated. And that sounds so easy, but like, what's the first step? Mm -hmm. Just take the first step and the next day, take the next right step. And pretty soon you'll go, oh my gosh, you'll look back and be like, I'm 30 steps into this. There's no, I'm farther enough away from the shore now. Uh It's going to take more energy to swim back. Then to keep going, right? (laughs) Then to keep going. And then when you go, you realize you can see the other side. It's like all of a sudden when you keep going, then there's the other side, which is the next part of the story, the next thing you need. And so that's for me where I've always just been like, you know what? And and has all of it been God? I think God uses it all. I've had Mm -hmm. good ideas that weren't God ideas. And he still would bless because my heart was for him. But then I would know, okay, the grace is not on this thing. There's a couple things I've started that I'm like, where's the fruit in this? And I'm not going to go four or five years with just beating something that's just, there's mm-hmm. not having a harvest or a fruit from it. Yeah. Um, but I still learned from that. It activated me to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So that is just what I'd say is identify what it is that's holding you back. And then you break those barriers with him and then learn and grow and he will activate you. Yes. That's so good to be able to say, where is the fruit? And then continue to move forward in that and that and seeking God and those things. So, uh, so good. Thank you for that. And just the wisdom, I think it gives a lot of courage probably to people to, to say, yes, Lord, if you've called me to this, I can take that next step. So I appreciate that. And you touched on something when you were talking about the idea of like, how do you get it all done? Right. And you are speaker, leader, wife, mother, like all of the things, choreographer and producer, like you said, prioritizing, setting those things, any other wisdom in like how you go about choosing how to invest your time in a given day, (laughs) just like practically, I guess. Yeah. I learned about my time with the Lord instead of comparing time, like everybody has time with the Lord. You know, I've, I've been a journaler, you know, get up early in the morning. The Lord's taught me a lot about my seasons of my relationship with him. And someone prophesied over me once they were like talking about what everybody's time looks like, but you have Moses time with Jesus. And you have to figure out what that looks like for you of like, where do I connect with God? Is it a season of journaling? Is it a season of going out and sitting in a parking lot in dead silence with no music? And like, I have, Mm -hmm. I have a relationship with God that doesn't just do a quiet time in the morning. It has to be a longevity all day conversation. We talk in the car. I don't listen to music. Like I don't just go, okay, I'm going to have my time with God in the morning. It's a full out time Mm -hmm. with him, with everything that I do. Even when I just made my protein shake, it's like, you don't just stop. So for me, if I don't have that, then I, sadly to say where people don't agree is like prioritizing you. Mm -hmm. How do I feed the people that I've been put in my life, including my family, including the interns, including my staff, including the masses of people we meet, if I'm going to be an anorexic leader or a bulimic leader. Mm -hmm. So I always say that because food disorders are really big in the dance world. So what I would say is an anorexic leader has done nothing for themselves. They don't take in the substance needed. Mm -hmm. So then they're emaciated with, they haven't had space and time with God. They haven't done anything for themselves. I don't feel guilty about doing stuff for myself. If I need to go get and sit alone to get my nails done once every three to four weeks, or if I need to go and just sit quietly at a lake, if I need to go and not be with friends in the moment, because a lot of people are fueled by going out to lunch and all that. My friends know that I have seasons. Mm -hmm. I explain to my friends, this is my season that I won't be able to do all the things that everybody's doing. And I can't have fear of missing out in that because I know my season but an, a bulimic leader, someone that just eats, 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 eats to regurgitate for everybody else. Mm, you know, do, yes. I don't know if there's leaders out there like you, you listen to all these things just to regurgitate to other people. So I've had to learn to be a leader that is taking in the nutrients needed to give me the space and capacity that I give when is needed. I 
take what is needed. You, you have to take the things for nourishment. And so with that, I've learned with my family to prioritize. I mean, my, my, my family, my boys, they're 18, 20. We still have talks every single day, every single night. Yeah. We, you know, I had just fun stuff with my family. We have fun together Yes. and friendships. I have, I have a very small circle of friends, but they know my seasons mm-hmm. and I can't be with people that are like, Hey, you didn't call, you know, all the things when they know the capacity that I have and that it isn't time every day that makes a friendship. It's Mm-hmm. the mission and the unity you have with friends. Right. So I have to, you know, do all those things, juggle it, but I never feel like I don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. I feel like right now, even I can do more. Now, what happens is when I think it's all me doing it is when the burnout sets in Ooh, the yeah. overwhelming stress. And that is a battle that I face right now. That's a battle I face, especially at my age, as I'm getting older, my body feels different. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I'm like, oof, this doesn't feel like I'm 20 six when I started DR, I was 26 or 24, somewhere in there. I get my numbers wrong. But with that, I'm like, you know, I have to battle. This is not mine to take on. I've been given this to steward. Mm. And so when I get that, it gives me the time and space needed to do stuff. But, you know, I would say to entrepreneurs and leaders, those, you know, I've watched my friendships, marriages fall apart because that's all you know, it's, that's the mission that God's given me. Well, it's the mission God's given you, but he given you, he gave you family. He gave you the local church and he gave you fellowship yes. that that's the only way any of that's going to stay stable because then even business becomes an idol. And for me, that's where I can tell when that becomes not even an idol, but like that thing, mm-hmm. I can feel the burnout. I can feel the tears, the overwhelming feelings. And I have to really start going, it's time to go do some nutrients Mm. that are going to last and not keep regurgitating it out for everybody else, or I won't have longevity. So good. In ministry, ministry is all the things. It isn't just DR, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's so good. And so practical that we can really cling to today. So I really appreciate that. Thinking about discipleship, mentorship. So you're, you know, like you said, pouring out into the interns, you're pouring out into your staff, your friends, all those things. What is your encouragement, I guess, for dancers and artists? Like what is the value of mentorship and discipleship? Why should we pursue that, I guess, in our lives? I mean, that was the last commandment Jesus left. Yeah, that's so true. Making this, you know, what he could have said so many things, mm-hmm. but he said, I want you to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm like, wow, decide, you know, making disciples, what does that even mean? So for me, I feel like trying to run this race alone, trying to do things just based on a book or a YouTube channel or whatever. God gave us felt, that's why he took 12. He couldn't take everybody, but he took 12. Mm-hmm. And I believe he took those that no one else would have thought he would take. You know, they weren't the scholarly men in the in the mm-hmm. synagogue. They were fishermen. He took practical things that were needed for what he was doing as well, but then made it a spiritual that what you know it unlocked the spiritual their spirit of who they really were created to be with the practicalness of catching fish and paying yeah. taxes and uh-huh. all the things. So. To me, discipleship, it's like the, you know, when I think, why is that the last thing he said? Because we, you know, he was making disciples. He let them walk with him, not just teach. He sat and taught, but it was a life journey of witnessing to them through his daily life, for them watching him when they he woke up in the morning out on the mountain, praying by himself, and then speaking their lingo and their language. He was able to prophesy to them when they were thinking things that they didn't even know he knew they were thinking. And so that mm-hmm. was such a picture. If we're going to follow Jesus. He was all about being a lifestyle witness, just living life and others watching him, but also having times of sitting and carried with him 12. Mm-hmm. He could have just gone on his own. and But that just paints a picture of the inner circle of discipleship. The bigger circle like we have right now, whether it be social media or whatever, are the conferences that there might not be people that travel with you all the time, but you are leaving nuggets and seeds that will be planted and then watered as their journey goes. Uh, yeah, that so that true. is a it's a picture he painted. So it has to be important to him. Yes. And I think that for me, that is where, when I look at our discipleship program we have, it's because I sought out discipleship. I sought out mentorship. Every teaching I do is based on a teaching I went and sought out or something my mentor taught me or, you know, because it's like this beautiful cycle. I mean, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, they're not a one man show. Why is there three and one, one and three? Why it just, just God, because it's the cycle that works 
because it's all intertwined to make this beautiful relationship we have. So why would we need those people? Why would we need someone to look to even when people let us down? I think a lot of people don't want that anymore because they're seeing people in front of their eyes fail them or fail their marriages or fail the church. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is Jesus, you know, everybody in the Bible that I see that he put out there as, you know, something to look at David or whatever, they all failed. Yeah, so Um, true. But the thing was, their heart was inclined to God. So find people even through failure that still have a repentant heart inclined to God so that we stop being this church that doesn't trust people because mm-hmm. everybody has something to give. Yeah. Even in the hard stuff, I've learned some of my hardest lessons through not good situations with, with people that I trusted, but it helped me realize yeah. that's not what I want to do. And that's not what I want to be. Grows us through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love thinking about, you know, the value of community and thanks for just like directing us right back. Here's where Jesus modeled it, you know, and commanded it. So, so good. One question I always love to ask all our guests is, is there something on your heart that you would like to share with other artists right now? So anything you're just feeling on your heart or like passionate about in this season that you'd like to share? Yeah. I don't know if my message is super popular right now. That's okay. (laughs) I feel like I want, I want people, artists to be aware. I think right now we're living out Matthew. We're living out some times where it talked about false teachings, false messages that tickle our ears that will sway us. And I feel like we've kind of gotten on a path, especially as performing artists or singers, you know, we're on stages. We are people come to events and we have crowds of people and we're up on a stage looking down at people. And I think we have to always be careful that if we've built anything or want to do anything to fulfill a desire in our heart, mm. which sounds crazy because it's like, well, that's what he wants us to fulfill desires. First, it's his desire on earth. Yeah, He brought us here to fulfill a mission for his kingdom, for his glory. And we've kind of gotten swayed into this, my dream message. What's my dream? I want to live mm. out my dream. He's put this dream, you know, or I, I have this dream in my heart. I think I always want to ask people, is it his dream? Because our dreams are so fleeting. You know, we have so many dreams and desires. And I think that we are using the fame of a stage or a ministry name or a brand sometimes to be like, we're making Jesus famous when it's really making us famous. Yeah. We just don't even know subconsciously that that's what it's doing. And we're getting it backwards. We're listening to lots of messages and and things that are about God wants you to prosper. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to live your dream. He wants this. And I want to say, that's a good God. He, I do believe he's a good father. But if that is our core thing and we're presenting in our times to him as I want to do this, I, you know, I still have a dream. I want to be on Broadway. I want my productions to be on Broadway. I mean, I, even I just talked to somebody about this morning. That is not my focus of my time with him. That is not my focus of what I do. If he's got that in the, in the picture, I'm just going to keep doing the next right. Yes. To make sure that all eyes are on him. Right. And he'll open that door if that's what Mm -hmm. it is. And if that's his dream, he knows I'm available for it. Yes. (laughs) But I want, I I want artists just to be really careful in these times because we have, you know, social media has painted so many pictures. I even find myself like, Oh, I don't like social media. Why do we keep having to post? But that's where the generation's eyes are. Mm -hmm. But even in that of not one upping over here, how many people do I have coming to this? Or like, It has got to be so laser focused in this season because there are some tricky messages out there for artists and forming artists that are really puffing us up in a way that we are Mm, really close to sitting on that throne where we don't belong. Yeah. So I would just say, keep in check, stay humble, Mm -hmm. all eyes on him, especially when you're the ones that are in the front, whether I have a mic in my hand or or dancers that are dancing, those are places to lay low, Mm -hmm. always lay low. Love that. So much. Yes. Last question, just for fun is what is one of your favorite things right now? And that can literally be anything. So whatever you're loving right now. (laughs) One of my favorite things right now is I just, it's always my favorite. I love my family. I love hanging out with my boys. They're in a season now where they're adults. Uh And so watching them start to live out their dreams, you know, it's like, the dream, and I, when I say about dreams, but watching them, the God-given dream, even that I have in my journals at the Lord and, and breaking barriers from that, my boys, because they're creative, deal with, you know, they have to deal with a lot of what that looks like, even as a dancer, mm-hmm. as a guy, as a dancer, and being the one that stands alone in a room with a bunch of girls, knowing that God has called him to be a warrior, yeah. to be um, one that stands out and doesn't conform to a mold 
and watching them make those choices in a really crazy world right now and do it with all his might for Jesus and watch my other son who is writing albums and singing for God right now and and how he's hearing him and all of that and and how, where their hearts are is my favorite thing. Yes. Listen, I'm always I I love looking at design. Uh-huh. I I picture building different things and I love colors and I love the architecture. Yeah. I love looking at that stuff. But my family is my favorite thing and it always will be. So fun. Yes. They sound mm-hmm. like such incredible such incredibly humans too. So it will be fun to kind of see their journeys as well. And yes, yes. Super fun. I know we talk about like pros and cons of social media, but it is fun following you on social media mm-hmm. and seeing some of what, what you're posting with family too. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I try. I only have that Instagram, no Facebook. No, I was yeah. like, I have to get like- Narrow it down. This yeah. is all I can do. Yes. Right. I know it can become like all the things so time so consuming. Much. So Instagram mm-hmm. seems like one of the best places That's right it. now anyway. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, Michelle, this has been such an honor and just such a joy to get to know you. Thank you for sharing your heart, for sharing your passion um, and the things that God has placed on your heart and for the just the seeds and that you planted and sown in the dance community. And I love that we're seeing some of the fruit of that right now and we'll continue into the future. So thank you again. Well, thank you for doing this. And I just pray that it goes out there where people are going to be touched they're going to be inspired and I appreciate your time as well. Yeah, thank you. Wow, you guys, I told you Michelle was bringing the fire today. I love when she talked about Godfidence versus confidence and also just asking that question, is this God's dream that he's given me? You can connect with Michelle and Dance Revolution on Instagram. Michelle is at michellebrogan.dr and Dance Revolution is at dancerev, D-A-N-C-E-R-E-V. You can also find Ingredients Dance Company at ingredientsdance.co on Instagram. And then the Earth Shakers Dance Competition is at earthshakerstalent. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the show, I invite you to subscribe wherever you're listening. It would also be amazing if you would be willing to rate and review the show and share this episode with a friend who you think would be encouraged. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can check out our Patreon community at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next week, I'm joined by Kelia Clarkson. Kelia is an actress, writer, and filmmaker. She's also the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal, which is an online women's magazine, and the host of a brand new podcast called Dear Wallflower. So excited to be with you again next week with Kelia. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. See you next time, friends.